0: At the beginning of the semester many years ago now, the leaders of the outreach committee of the campus ministry I led gathered to plan the year. As they were exploring different ways to focus their energy, I suggested they might pick a particular issue to learn more about, a way to both provide opportunities for partnerships within the community, but also education about the presenting issue. Much to my surprise, they chose what I considered to be one of the most challenging issues with which to grapple, homelessness. Over the course of the next nine months, they invited the leaders of the various nonprofits for conversations, but truthfully, something more along the line of interviews with the community. While always polite, their debriefs of these conversations were honest and often painful. They were completely capable of programmatic and institutional analysis, but the insights they came away with penetrated far below the surface. They became hyper aware of the use of language and how this was one way to gain insight into the values of the organization. Were they working with clients, homeless people, neighbors, or those experiencing housing insecurity? Were they working for those experiencing some kind of need, or were they working with them? These insights brought their own values into focus. Over their winter break, we traveled to Washington, D.C. on pilgrimage and worked with several different organizations who work closely with this population. We spent several days with Epiphany Episcopal Church, whose worshiping congregation consists of more people who are not housed than people who are the clarity they gained and the commitments they affirmed were heartfelt and transformative. Their engagement surprised and amazed me as they were prone to do on a regular basis. They accomplished what they set out to do and then some, becoming incredibly versed on the epidemic of homelessness on a local and national scale. But truthfully, the moments that brought God's kingdom to bear happened when they began to break down the barriers between their own humanity, and everyone they had decided was different from them. The outreach ministries flourished, but it was the ways in which they were merciful and kind and generous with one another that were a true manifestation of God's dwelling in their midst. They began to see God not as a character in a book from long ago, but present with them in their daily realities. Their discipleship came into focus in a new way. This morning, we have two familiar parables from Luke's gospel, the rich shepherd and the woman who lacks financial resources. Oftentimes, these parables are interpreted as a litmus test for our own own attentiveness to the resources we oversee. But truthfully, neither of these parables are about either of those things. Rather, the parables serve as a metaphor for God's faithfulness. The parables serve as a metaphor for God's faithfulness. God searches for us and rejoices every time God finds us. God will always find value in us in a way that defies logic. This is a powerful reality for many reasons, but the one I want to focus on today is that it frees us up to also act faithfully. God's perfect faithfulness means that we are set free to be courageously faithful. Meaning we are able to take risks that might otherwise feel too consequential if we had something to prove. Meaning the love and abiding delight God has for each of us is not limited by any worldly constraint or measure of success. God is always interested in us. This morning, I want to invite you to consider this question. How are you prepared to seek God out, knowing that God is constantly seeking you? (coughs) Situated at the beginning of the program year, grounded in this example of God's faithfulness, my hope is to invite you to thoughtfully reflect on this next season of your discipleship journey. But let's establish some basic parameters for what we mean when we use the term discipleship. This morning, I'm going to draw from the wisdom of the former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, who has three things to say about discipleship. First, a disciple is simply a learner. And this ultimately is what the disciple learns, how to be a place in the world where the act of God can come alive. How to be a place in the world where the act of God can come alive. My students, whom I mentioned a few moments ago, embody this reality. Their enrollment at the university for the purpose of learning perhaps predisposed them to this position. But like all good learners, they were open to the fact that the lesson they pursued was not what they came away with in the end. The learner ultimately is not in control of the finished product. Likewise, disciples act as means for God to be better known in the here and now in whatever way the Holy Spirit is at work. Second, Williams says, as disciples, we are seen, known, and held, but above all, we are welcomed. We are the objects of an eternal delight. When I moved to Houston for a new job, I was in mourning over the community I had left and was deeply uncertain about how it was all going to work out, as I always am with all transitions. My first Sunday in town, I went to St. Mark's for their 5 p.m. service. My friend Patrick serves as the rector. When he saw me timidly walk into the sanctuary before the opening hymn, he stopped what he was doing, walked down the aisle in my direction, and gave me a huge hug. Then he held me by the shoulders and said, Welcome home. I'm so glad you're here. Patrick had no idea how much I needed that hug or that message. Patrick's delight and welcome were nothing short of a holy reminder that day. And that was only a glimpse of how much I imagine God rejoices to be in our presence. Finally, Williams reminds us, being disciples means being called to see others, and especially others in profound need, from the perspective of an unflinching, unalterable love. An unflinching, unalterable love love. With piercing clarity, Williams reminds us that discipleship is not possible without relationship. The ways in which God knows us, the ways in which we know God, the ways in which we live into our calling as disciples, it all hinges on being up close enough to be in relationship. So St. Michael's, what might this look like? How might this reminder of God's faithfulness empower us for this next season of discipleship together. I'm curious whether this could look like inviting a friend to bag produce with you at the AFAC warehouse. I'm curious whether this could look like helping to host a picnic for Cybert House residents in a few weeks. I'm curious whether this could look like reaching out to those parishioners from Lomax, who you made connections with in 2020, and then never followed up on your offer to share a meal. I'm curious whether this could look like signing up for a sacred ground dialogue circle, even though this makes you uncomfortable and does not sound fun. I'm curious whether this could look like checking in on your neighbor who lost her spouse, which you've been meaning to do for a year now. The invitation we find in discipleship is not simply doing things for people. You don't need Jesus to do that. The invitation of discipleship is to do things with God and with one another. Jesus' purpose, his parables, his ministry, all of it is a reminder of how God desires nothing more than to be with us. So rejoice. We are the object of God's eternal delight. And it is our calling to be a place where that light and love come alive. Amen.